Like, um, I take anything out that makes us sound dumb. Me and you. Like, anything, like, not getting our point across, taking a minute to get our point, I'll just get, edit it to where we just make a salient point. It's beautiful. Mm. People think we're just wonderfully intelligent. Which we are. But really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. We're intelligent the way George Bush is intelligent. Like, he's intelligent, but he can't speak very well because he did a lot of drugs and drinkings. I did some drugs, and I did a lot of drinking. And so, even though I have the fucking mind of Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind, (laughs) I can't put actual sentences together very well without sounding like George Bush. Well, that is not a mind, speaking of beautiful minds, Russell Crowe's character, that's not a mind you want. He saw people who weren't there, severely damaged and paranoid. I don't think it was a very beautiful mind. Well, it sounds a little like my mind. I mean, I don't think I'm that delusional, but I spend most of my time making up stories in my head. That's different than seeing and talking to other people, though, that aren't there. That's true. Like, I'm aware that it's happening in my head. Like I don't at a, ever at any point go, Oh, that's actually happening. But I do do this thing where like, I'll have a conversation with somebody in my head and then reach a conclusion and then go forward with that being the actual thing that happened sort of in my brain. Right. Even though it really didn't happen. But I'm like, yeah, I figured it out. It's done. I do a weird thing where I will talk to myself in my head, but I will refer to myself as if there are many of me. For example, what do we want for breakfast this morning? Hmm? Do we want an egg? Do we want just to drink some coffee? We probably want to drink some coffee. As if a legion of demons live inside my brain. All right, well, don't do that anymore. Well, it's, I wish I had control over it. Don't refer to yourself as we. Well, I don't say it out loud. Well, don't even say it inside your your brain. (laughs) I can't control it. I've something I've done since I was a kid. Just don't even say. Don't even ask. Don't talk to yourself that way. Just make decisions. (laughs) You're my life coach now. Thank God we're having this. I can't control it. It's bacon. Just go. I'm gonna have some bacon. And then if there, if you hear one of those voices in your head start doing the weed, just go, shut up, bitch. I do sort of ca- catch myself doing it, and I'm like, I got to cut this out, man. Yeah, for sure. So check this out, dude. I was up until like 3 a.m. last night, which is pretty unusual for me. I'm, getting, I'm keeping everything tight and right these days. And uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I, I'm going into a pretty big Dylan thing. And uh, I was just listening to the records. I've got it all on vinyl. I've lo- I've loved Bob Dylan my whole life. I've dipped in here and there, but never really gotten it the way that I went hard into Paul Simon or Randy Newman or whatever. And wait, um, hold on. Do you went hard into who? <laughs> Zip. Well, yeah. And then I listened to his records. Um, so last night I watched some a really shitty Amazon Prime Dylan documentary, and then I watched Scorsese's No Direction Home. Have you seen that? It's three hours long. I think so. It's really good. Anyway, a lot of a lot of Dylan's a lot of the way Dylan works reminds me of working with you. I don't know if you've really investigated him very much. Have you have you checked him out on a deeper level? Other than like, oh, Bob Dylan, you're a songwriter. All songwriters know he's a great songwriter. 
I used to listen to a lot of Bob Dylan back in the day. 20 years ago, I, I was listening to a lot of Bob Dylan. Well, he rarely does the same thing the same way twice. He doesn't listen to his records. He doesn't think his records are, are good or or very representative of the potential of his songs. Um, and he kind of has this... Uh, he has this thing that you have where you're going to do what you're going to do almost oblivious to what's against you. You just have the vision that you follow. It rem- I don't know. It was interesting. It reminded me a lot of you watching kind of his deal, the way he works, the way he does his art. I found that fascinating. I can't get enough of it. Uh, <clears throat> the trifecta records, the big the big electric records, bringing it back home, Highway 61 and Blonde on Blonde. I got all the reissue mono vinyls. I'm not even fucking with the used crap. So it's been fun. I was curious if you identified with him artistically. I know that you had the thing recently where he heard some of your tunes and he liked them. He, I put him in, I put him in that like sort of you can't, like that can't be done category. Mm-hmm. I don't fuck with Bob Dylan. Like I'm not like, oh, I'm gonna compete with Bob Dylan. Well, I don't mean in that way. I don't mean in no, a competitive way. But I, I feel that way about a lot of songwriters. Um, but he's like one of those guys where I'm like, eh. He's like out of the race for me. Well, the power of what he's doing, once you sort of get a little hip to it and you kind of get over the protesty voice and start really paying attention to the, <laughs> the lyrics. Another thing he does that reminded me of you is he'll write a million verses and then he'll sort of pare that down. Like I think they were saying last night that the original draft, first draft of Like a Rolling Stone from Highway 61 had like 50 verses. And he pared it down to like nine. And I know that's, that's something that you do, which I, I as a songwriter tend to like, once I can see what the song is, I, have, I know what it is, I know what it's going to be about, and I, maybe I have a chorus. I just want to write, I want to chisel out the three verses and the two choruses and maybe the bridge. I don't, I rarely overwrite. <clears throat> but it struck me as an interesting mechanism for just getting out a, bu- a bunch of shit and picking the best of it. I like to think that I rarely overwrite too, but you can always get rid of a verse. Even if you only wrote three, you can get it down to two. And you're going to have two better verses than the three you had before. Well, maybe I was thinking more about your poetry, where you've told me before that you tend to write more than you need, and then what you'll do is you'll just start editing that. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Like, I'm, I'm always, like, when I write a song... I write a lot of shit that gets crossed out. Right. I mean, it doesn't get crossed out anymore. It just gets erased because I do everything on the computer. But if you look at my old sheets of lyrics, even the songs that almost come out complete as I'm writing them, there's a lot of stuff crossed out. For instance, uh, 40 Dogs. That's a song that came out kind of all in one piece, all like at one time, some of the best lyrics I've ever written. And I cut out an entire verse that was complete. And I only did it because I was trying to uh, create a radio edit. Um, But then I realized, oh, I don't need that verse at all. And so I took it off on the album as well. And I don't even know what that, uh, I don't even know what that verse is anymore. But it was fucked up and crazy. Yeah, this whole saga is well documented on the podcast. I think we talked about it like two weeks ago. But let's talk about it some more, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god! I was reading people ranting on the internet this week and thinking the lost art of the diary. Like in di- when people used to have diaries, they'd write all these crazy thoughts, 
And then they were just, they were never meant to be read by other people. And you'd get the demons out, and you'd get your poetry out, and then you'd be able to just function through society. But now everyone, everyone's social media is their diary. And it's, it can be so strange to read it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, are people, here's, here's who I'm not following on social media. Anybody who's posting their inner diary thoughts. Right. Okay. So you're not seeing this. So, I mean, this happens every day with people that acquaintances and then people that I know pretty well, but this one chick, basically here's the premise. She got divorced from her husband. Okay. Whoop-dee-doo. People break up. It's not easy. I've done it. You've done it. People break up. You get a divorce. It's a little messier when you're married, a little messier when you have a house, even messier still when you have kids. I get it. So she gets divorced, and the fucking tome that she wrote on Instagram, I mean, it went all the way into the comments, continued in the comments, of just this strange poetry, I'm truly home and free, and I'm in touch with myself, and I've never felt this way before. I mean, it was like a Whitney Houston song just vomited into social media for everyone to see. And it made me feel almost voyeuristic reading it. It was a diary entry. Diary entries are messy and filled with rage and nonsensical teenage poetry that's just meant to stay there. So you work all those things out. But now people do that publicly. You know what you just did? Mm, No. You built a beautiful little anger villa inside my brain. Mm-hmm. Every sentence was like an a- anger brick that just built on one after another. I just got angrier and angrier. A little anger adobe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a fucking anger pueblo now oh, inside okay. me. And as, yes, a pueblo. All right. First of all, I would have never read any of that. Like, I would have just seen that. I would click. I just off. It's like a train wreck, though. It's hard not to. And you know what I said when I saw it? I said, are we going to read this? Yes. <laughs> I do believe we'll read this now. Thank you. And then the, the, oh, the, the, the quorum inside of me agreed that we shall read this. And then felt like, why did I just read that? It made me mad. It made me so fucking frustrated. And it made me glad that my wife doesn't do that and bring shame to the family. Dude, I just watched Marriage Story. Have Ooh, that's on that? my list. Yeah, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. It's getting very, very divided polar reviews. People either hate it or love it. Well, I went through a divorce. I related to it quite a bit. I thought it was pretty good. Then I found out it was an actual, like based on Noah Baumbach's actual divorce. Mm -hmm. But he had an affair with Greta Gerwig that has not ended because they're still together. And spoiler alert, he makes himself out or he makes the Adam Driver character out to be very you're very sympathetic towards his character and not so much to Scarlett Johansson's character. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Jennifer Jason Lee, who is who he was married to, kind of got the shit. I don't, I mean, I don't. Who knows what the real deal is? But I mean, I do that when I'm writing a song. I'm going to make myself look pretty fucking good in the song. Yeah, I mean, Bukowski famously did that a lot, and a journalist traveled with him, and a journalist basically traveled with Bukowski to do a bunch of readings in California, and then they both wrote these different um, pieces about that experience, and apparently Bukowski just made himself out to be, you know, a fucking a hero, and the journalist confronted him, and he said, look, I'm the hero of my stories, baby. You write whatever you want to write. 
And but right. it's funny that you mentioned this dude because I actually had a conversation with Isabel last night. We were watching Man in the High Castle. And we've been watching a bunch of television shows together because my wife likes episodic content. She can sort of watch it and go to bed. I'd rather watch The Irishman. But in almost like the last nine out of the last 10 shows we've watched, we've both really disliked the female lead. And I I don't normally, you know, um, I don't normally, I'm not going to burn my bra over this kind of thing. I love women. I, love, I believe in gender equality, all that. But I did start to think, why do we dislike the women in these shows so much? And it's like, I think it's because men are writing it. I think m mostly men write the movies and shows we see. And I think that there is some sort of subconscious anger at women coming across in a lot of television. We didn't like the chick in The Man in the High Tower. We didn't like the chick in the show Love. We didn't like the chick in Catastrophe. We didn't like the chick in Breaking Bad. Have you noticed that? Uh... It's something to think about. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Writers are surly dickheads. And, um, and mostly male. And ugly and can't get laid. They're all incels. So I could see why they'd be, I, I could see why they'd be pissed off and, 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 and it might come out in the writing. Like in Catastrophe, Rob Delaney, you, you, if you just take it purely, which I do, my wife is a little more analytical than me, but it's like, oh, he has been presented over four seasons as reasonable, the savior of his family. He, he bends over backwards to please his lady. She is insufferable, ungrateful, selfish, a total bitch, out to destroy her family, won't have sex with him, had an affair. It's like, good God. What show are we talking about? It's Rob Delaney's show, Catastrophe. It's really good. Oh, um, yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. Kind of flew under the radar, but we watched first couple episodes and got hooked on. It's really cool. But it's bothering me, this, this thread I'm sensing in television, and it's in films too, where it's like, the woman's the bitch, and the guy's the big hero. And that's just not what life's like. Well, it isn't my family. <laughs> Dude, I've just been on a serious, serious screeners binge because my ex-wife's husband gets all the oscar screeners so what have you been getting in the last 24 hours i watched marriage story well that's on netflix yeah 1917 uh jojo rabbit invisible life um ferrari versus ford are these digital screenings or actual discs these are discs. Can you mail them to me? <laughs> no, I got to return them in like tomorrow. I got to I got to return all of these. I used to have a friend that I had a falling out with who was also in SAG and every about this time every year we would watch all these screeners and now I I can't see any of these fucking movies that are getting nominated for Golden Globes and Oscars and I feel really left out of the conversation, Bob. Well, I can tell you all of those movies that I just mentioned are fantastic and Invisible Life might be my favorite of the bunch. And talk about amazing female characters. The It's about these two sisters. And um, you love them and you hate the male characters in that movie. So I don't know who wrote it, but... Um, Maybe a chick wrote that. What's it, what's it called? Invisible Life. But it's like in Portuguese, so it's... El bola 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 bola. 
<laughs> was that Portuguese for invisible life? I might have got the translation wrong. Right. I'm doing the Italian. Guess who wrote it? A chick. Are you serious? Yes. Based on the book. The book was definitely written by a chick, but... By Martha Batala. Well, it was beautifully done. But there, that 1917... Oh my God! The idea, like me wanting to watch a movie about World War One. No thanks. The only reason I even Sounds horrible. The only reason I even watched it is because it got like one of those double ninety Rotten Tomatoes, where like the critics gave it a ninety three, and then the audience gave it a ninety something. And those movies are always good. Well, uh, when the critics and the audience agree. So I was like, oh, let me check it out. I'll watch it for a few minutes. Well, written and directed by Sam Mendes. I mean, that's pretty cool. American Beauty, Revolutionary Road, Road to Perdition. That dude's done some cool shit. Yeah, pretty good. This movie was amazing. I've just never seen anything like it uh, when it comes to a World War I movie. It's sort of like the World War I equivalent to Saving Private Benjamin. Private Benjamin? Yeah. Saving Private Ryan? Is it Saving Private? Oh yeah, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. I just did a mashup of the Goldie Hawn Private Benjamin. <laughs> saving Private Benjamin. <laughs> the little, <laughs> the little Saving Private Benjamin's private. This is the German it's porno the, you saw. It's the sequel to to uh, Private Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen Booksmart yet? Olivia Wilde's debut directorial film. I I love that movie. I would I would put that up there with another one that I think is uh, worthy of an Oscar nomination at least. I haven't seen it. <clears throat> I haven't seen so many of the the big buzzy movies this year, and it, I, I like I said, I feel left out of the conversation. I feel like shit about it. Adam Driver is so good in Marriage Story, but I don't think anybody's going to beat Joaquin Phoenix. Oh God, that movie just the conversation about that movie seems to get shittier and shittier as as time passes. It's not a good movie. It's yeah, just his seemed... performance as the only saving grace. Well, that's not going to do it for me. He performs great in everything he's in. It's not even that special anymore. That's like saying Daniel Day-Lewis put in a great performance. I yeah, know. He's always fantastic, but he's pretty spectacular in this. Uh, I'm trying to find the, the uh, best film nominees for the Golden Globes. 1917, The Irishman, Joker, Marriage Story, The Two Popes. Uh, I hope The Irishman wins, but I haven't seen any of these other movies, so I'm just a Scorsese fanboy. I haven't seen The Two Popes. I'll probably watch it. They have a screener of that. I just that just looks horrible to me. But um, of all the all the ones you mentioned that I've seen, I've seen all of them except for The Two Popes. That 1917 is by far my favorite of those. All right, best best musical or comedy, Dolomite's My Name. It's cool that that got nominated. Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Rocket Man. So they're considering Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a fucking comedy. Oh, my God. I know, right? Uh, well, I would vote for that. I loved Knives Out. I would vote for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I haven't seen it. Uh, I would have... I would have watched that last night if they had a screener for it, but there's no screeners for it that have come. For Knives Out? I think it's still in the in the theater. That Jojo Rabbit was fantastic, What's dude. the premise of that? It's this Hitler youth kid, and he's got... He just, he's friends with uh, this imaginary Adolf Hitler, played by um, the director guy, Waikiki Tikiti, or whatever. Why is everyone so fucking obsessed with World War II and Nazis? Jesus Christ. 
Well, here's what happens. And this happens in the first five minutes. So I'm not like, you know, spoiling the movie or anything. Okay. But it starts right off, right off the bat. He's hanging out with this imaginary Hitler character. And the way he plays Hitler is really endearing and funny and cute. And you're like, is this good? Is this okay to be doing like it is so weird dude because it's fucking hitler you know and you're like and you kind of like his like you kind of like this hitler because he's but you realize oh this is a 10 year old who who's a hitler youth imagining what hitler is so right it's so like meta and weird and it fucks with your brain like in such a crazy way and you know it's going to change by the end because you know how the story ends and you know what i mean you know the the story of world war ii yeah because we because there are 800 movies about it every fucking year i'm so bored with it yeah but we're watching this man in the high castles all world war ii'd out also yeah but that man in the high castle is almost impossible to watch we're on the fourth episode. I'm gonna give it one more, and my wife loves it. And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if, if I'm, not, if I don't get locked in, I'm gonna have to bag out. I'll tell you what I started watching by myself is Mr. Fucking Robot, which is no joke. Oh my god, did you, did you get into that? I watched the first season, and then by the time the second season started, I was kind of like, do I want to watch this anymore? And I was like, no. Here, here's what they did in the first season that was kind of bullshit. And uh, spoiler alerts for anyone who hasn't seen Mr. Robot. The first season was like five years ago is by the end of it, they do this thing where nothing's real. So now they can get away with fucking anything. This whole time you're watching this sort of hacker thriller unfold, and you, you just assume everything you're seeing is real, and what you find out at the end is almost nothing's real. This guy's insane. Right, he's, he's schizophrenic. He's schizophrenic. And right. then so now, whatever they're showing you is just everything's up for grabs. And we've talked about this before, but it's like, a show has to establish the the world that the artist created. You have to establish what that world is and what the rules are, and then you have to play by the fucking rules. And once they broke all that at the end, it, I did lose a lot of interest in the story. I'm still doing season two because that Rami Malek is so great. But now that it, now that nothing's real and anything you see might be a schizophrenic, uh, hallucin- uh, uh, hallucinogenic moment or whatever, hallucinations, I'm trying to say, it's just not as good. Let's move on here real quick. Best performance by an actress. We got Cynthia Erivo in Harriet, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Sarah C. Ronan in Little Women, which, which she was great in Lady Bird, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, Renee Zellweger, uh, my ex-girlfriend, for Judy. Uh, Scarlett Johansson was amazing in Marriage Story. That's the only one I've seen. I haven't seen any of these other performances. Okay. Best performance by an actor. We got Christian Bale in Ford versus Ferrari, Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, Adam Driver, of course, from Marriage Story, your boy Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker, Jonathan Price for the two popes. Do you think that uh, Joaquin Phoenix will go head to head with Adam Driver? The, I mean, Adam Driver is so good in the Marriage Story. He's so great. Isn't he kind of like a breakout male actor of the last, ever since Girls? I mean, he's been a really kind of serious contender for for comedy for drama. He's fantastic. He's so good in Star Wars, but he's this is the best thing he's done. It's a sympathetic character. You know, you you like the guy. 
I'm going to really try and see a lot of these films before the Golden Globes because it'd be fun to do sort of a, a big episode on, on the Golden Globes because you and I both love movies so much. How about Eddie Murphy getting nominated for Best Actor for Dolomite? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. There's the people that should win, and then there's the people that will win. That's how I always I always delineate That's it always that way, different. too. Yep, that, exactly. There are people who deserve to win and people who will win, for sure, because of the politics, because of the bullshit. And the Golden Globes is the worst, because if you don't glad hand it with those 60 foreign journalists or yeah, whatever... you got to kiss their ass. Yeah, you have to do that meet and greet with all of them. If you don't, you're not going to win. Right, that's true. Man, I want to see that Bong Joon-ho film Parasite. Fuck, I have so many movies to see. I've seen that. And? It's fantastic. Man, I loved uh, the host that he did. Love the host. Ah, damn it, I've got so much to see. You're so lucky you got those screeners. Maybe I'll put maybe I'll put the vibe out to some of my buddies that are in the film industry and see if I can... I didn't think they did physical screeners anymore. I thought they were all digital with a code. I wish they were. Me too. It was. I was like, "Where am I gonna? How am I gonna watch this?" It's been a year since I watched a DVD when I was watching the screeners last year. I have a Blu-ray player, and I have a bunch of Blu-rays. I've, I collect a lot of the Criterion uh, collection. I've got all the Cronenberg stuff on Criterion. I've got the David Lynch shit. Uh, I've got Akira Kurosawa films on Criterion. You, you're the kind of guy that could appreciate Criterion releases. They, they're they're uh, they're beautifully done. The audio and video is top quality. And then they come with a bunch of amazing extras. Like, I got the Some Like It Hot uh, Criterion. It's got all these amazing interviews with Jack Lemmon and Billy Wilder. It's really good. You, you seem like a dude that would appreciate that. Do we, are, are we the kind of people who might appreciate this? What do we think of Blu-ray and Criterion? I like that voice. Are we out of time? Uh, we have about a minute and a half. Oh. You want us to be out of time? We can end this shit anytime we want, bro. I don't ever want to be out of time, dude. Well, you're running out of time in a big way, bro. I, I don't like it. Running out of time in a big fucking way, bro. Dude, I've been... Speaking of running out of time, dude, my fucking daughter got this cold. And this has happened almost every time. Where she'll get this fucking... She'll get some illness. And she'll have it for like three, four, five days. And she'll just be like, oh, daddy, I'm not feeling good or whatever. And, and But that's the extent of her complaining. And then the rest of the time, she's just kind of getting through it. She's strong. And, then I'll be, and I'll be like, well, that must have not been so bad. And then I'll get what she had. And it's like the fucking worst. And I'm like, how was she dealing with what I'm dealing with? Because this shit sucks she's strong man she's so strong our kids are so strong it amazes me well she's got that fucking preemie strength dude where like she came out half baked and they started <laughs> sticking shit in her and then she was naked on a table for like the first two weeks well she came out i mean dude i remember i remember when she was born man she was so small i was like so scared to hold her and uh she came out fighting man she came out fucking ready to live that's powerful yeah yeah, my kid two nights ago pu uh, puked in our bed. Uh, this all happened while I was asleep. I took Nyquil because I have had a cold myself. Kid puked in our bed. Uh, Isabel took Nova to the to her bed, where she puked again in her bed. Then they went to the guest room where she puked in the guest room. So here's what my morning looked like. Hey, 
you got to cancel your right today. I'm about to head to work. Nova threw up in all of our bedrooms. So you have to keep her home from school and take care of her. And you have to wash all the bedding in all the bedrooms because she puked in all of them. That was, that was two days ago. That was yesterday for me. So that was a fun day. Guess what that day is called? Independence Day. It's called Feelings Day. Feelings Day with Clint Wells. What are we going to think about feelings? Hmm, please, what, shall we think about our feelings? Actually, dude, having to clean up your kid's vomit in all the rooms is a great way to not feel feelings because you got something to do. Shall, what shall we do? Clean vomit or feel feelings? Your choice. Yeah, but guess what happens? You clean up the vom- You clean up the vomit and then you don't have a right and then you're just hanging out with your kid. And then you got feelings. Well, I made sure I just put the TV on. I, mean, oh, I, just, okay. I just answered emails and, and sat alone and drank coffee all day. Well, there you go. Because guess what you and me are? The master of taking the feelings and balling them up into the tiniest, tiniest, little, tiny balls and then swallowing them and forgetting about them forever. Well, here's what I do when I allow myself the brief, like, I'm like, I'm going to let this wave hit me of feelings. Here's what happens to me. And I know you're similar is I'll just start crying and I won't stop crying. And, you know, that's not a good vibe. So, <laughs> so you know, you can't get anything done when <laughs> that's happening. Dude, I wish I had, I wish I had film of me watching the last five movies that I've watched in the last 24 hours. Just silver tears sliding down the face. The whole time. It's just me sitting there for the last like five to 10 minutes of every one of those movies, just sobbing. Yeah. And I'm kind of enjoying it. Like I love the cathartic release of crying like that. I like it when you have, when there's a, when there's a, um, a conduit and a mechanism like, okay, something emotional is happening on the screen or like I was crying at this Dylan documentary. I was like, cause he, he would just say something that just kind of felt true. Like, you know, an artist, an artist isn't trying to get older. They're trying to get younger. And I, I literally said it loud. I was like, yeah. And then I noticed that I was about to start crying and that has nothing really to do with what he said, but it's nice to have somewhere to put all of that. What sucks right. is when, you're just sort of sitting alone in a quiet moment and then it all, the wave hits you and you, you're, it's a little confusing and you don't really know which part of your horrible grief you're processing because there's nowhere for it to go. It's not like you just watched Old Yeller, you know? Yeah. Well, we are definitely out of time. Here's the deal. This was a depressing episode, but we're going to end it now. Bob and Clint at gmail.com. Go leave us a positive review. This, hey, look, this is I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. So we're just being true to what the show is, bro. Yeah, but we're... We're basically okay. And also basically not okay. Yeah. We're not okay. No, 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 no. All right. All right. Peace. Peace.